Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Taboo Talk, the podcast brought to you by Boots that asks the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. Our recent episode on acne garnered such a massive listener response that we knew we'd have to delve into the subject of skincare further. After posting a call out on Instagram for people to send in any skin related questions and receiving thousands, we knew the only thing to do was to host an expert Q&A. On which note, I'm delighted to be sitting down now with Dr. Ejikemi, the founder and medical director of Adonia Medical Clinic. Dr. Ejikemi is a medical consultant, advanced cosmetic doctor and passionate skin expert. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ejikemi. Okay, this is going to be one of my favourite episodes, I know, because I am so skin obsessed. I could talk about it for hours. First question, right? Starting off with the real basics. How many steps should an everyday bog standard skincare routine have and what are they? So everybody thinks that you need a 15-step skincare routine to have good skin. You absolutely don't. So my advice is just you need five steps in your skincare routine. Your first step is to cleanse. And that's just washing your face. Sometimes people say, what is cleansing? It's just washing your face. I like a double cleanse, I have to say, a double cleanse. Yes. I love a double cleanse in the evening, but if you've got sensitive skin and you want to do one, that's also fine. And just pick a cleanser that suits your skin type. So if you have dry skin, then go with something really gentle, like a gentle cleanser or a milk cleanser. If you have really oily skin, then you may be more suited to a foaming cleanser. So that's your first step, cleanse. After that, you need to add some nutrients to the skin. And I like a really good antioxidant. Now, antioxidants are a whole group of products that basically neutralize free radicals on the skin. And these are energized particles. So if you leave them on the skin, they can cause dullness, dryness, pigmentation, redness, even fine lines. So the whole group of antioxidants are ingredients like vitamin C, amazing, gives you the glow, niacinamide. You just need one. So you cleanse, then you put your antioxidant on. So like a serum, antioxidant is like a serum. Okay. Exactly. That's your serum. Good. (laughs) Then after that's your moisturizer. So you need a good moisturizer that helps to support the barrier function of your skin so that you're not dry and parched. And then the final step in the morning is your sunscreen. Yes. That's your factor 30 or above. I love factor 50 every single day. And that's your four steps for your morning. Now, the final step, the fifth step, this is how you customize your skincare routine. Everybody has a skin issue. It could be spots. It could be redness. It could be dark marks. It could be fine lines. Whatever your key issue is, you need to have just one step in your routine that really addresses it. So let's say your issue is spots or fine lines. For spots, that might be a salicylic acid serum. If it's fine lines, that might be a retinol serum or cream. If it's redness, maybe azelaic acid. So that's it, one one ingredient. And so that can be as a serum, that can be in your moisturizer. And that's it, your five-step routine. Wash, antioxidant, moisturizer, sunscreen in the morning. And then at nighttime, wash, antioxidant, your treatment step, and your moisturizer. And that is it. What about a good eye cream? Oh, yes. So Chuck it in. (laughs) Chuck it in. (laughs) Do you know there's so much debate about eye creams, whether you really need it, whether you don't. And for me, if you have a really good moisturizer and your main issue with your eyes are dryness, then sometimes your moisturizer can be enough. But for me, Mm. I do add an eye cream into my routine. And the reason I do that is because eye creams 
are a protective mechanism. So if you want to protect your eyes from dryness, from dullness, from pigmentation, from redness, then put that into your routine. So I think I started using an eye cream at 28. It's when you first start thinking about, oh my God, I've got wrinkles. What are these lines at the side of my eyes that I never had before? It's kind of like self-care, skincare. Like I like doing those routines like all day, like at nighttime and in the morning. Now I have to say, I'm not a good cleanser in the morning. I do a little like splash on my face and that's about it. But at night I double cleanse and it's kind of like a ritual. It's like part of a bedtime routine. And like, if you look after your skin, it's just, you just see the benefits. You'll feel better about your self your skin won't look as like gray and dull it will look kind of bright and stunning absolutely and look at your skin it's radiant radiant listen I've got a a lot of highlighter on there I'm not gonna lie to you because I was looking I was like Colin I look so like um well a bit oily but it's actually a highlighter that I've gone too far with speaking of highlighter let's clear something up once and for all now I never no matter how late a night I have out or how many drinks I've had I will never go to sleep with my makeup on. Is it okay to fall asleep with your makeup on? No, it's not. It's not. And you are doing exactly the right thing. I'm the same. Even if it's 2 a.m., I will wake up. Your night cannot finish until you've washed it off. The reason for that is, think about it. All day, there's pollution, there's grime, there's sunscreen, there's all the makeup and it's sitting there. And those cause free radicals on the skin. And we know those free radicals can then lead to blemishes, breakout, dark marks, fine lines, all the works. So if any of those are a concern for you, then just take that extra step, do the wash, put your moisturizer on and then go to sleep. Don't be lazy, just do it. And if you have to, use a face wipe. I'm not a lover of face wipes, but sometimes they have their moment where you do need them after a night out. Yeah, a face wipe is better than nothing. But if you're going to go that far, just splash a bit of water on there too. 30 seconds, just wash it off. It'll make you feel better. Um, For me, skincare, like it's always been part of my routine. Even when I was like a student and I didn't have that much money, I still was able to get myself the basics because I think people are confused and people sometimes use too much of their products. You only need tiny amounts. So even if you invest in a nice skincare, you'll have it for three or four months. But do you think it's possible to get a skincare without breaking the bank? It is. It is. I think a long time ago, people used to think the more expensive it is, then the better. For me, it's all about ingredients. Mm. There are so many affordable brands now. And if you really look at your skin and you know what your key concerns are, then you can really find products that are targeted at a really affordable rate. You just need to go down to your local pharmacy or your local shops and you can find so many products that are within £15 per product. Yeah. And you can find something that can be really good for your routine and for your skin. I do agree with you. And I think that there's loads of information online as well if you're trying to figure out what your skin is like. But how do you decide if you've got dry skin, oily skin, problematic skin? How do you know which skin type you are? So one of the easiest things to do is to wash your face and put nothing on your face and wait about 10 to 15 minutes. Use a gentle cleanser. Don't use a really stripping cleanser. If after about an hour you see oil on your nose or your forehead, you almost certainly have oily skin. If you also tend to have occasional spots, if you have visible pores, or you tend to by about five o'clock have to blot your skin, again, almost certainly you have oily skin. Now, dry skin is actually a genetic set point. The skin has just a lower amount of oils in it. It's not something that comes and goes like dehydration. It's just the way your skin always is. It's just dry. And then you normally notice that your skin feels really matte. 
and you're having to add shine to your skin or having to reapply moisturizer multiple times to the skin. When you do that wash test, after about 10 minutes, your skin will feel tight or dry. Then you almost certainly have dry skin. Then you have a group of people in between. Some parts are oily, usually the T-zone down to the chin, and then some parts are dry, usually the sides of the face. Now, if that's you, you should tend towards a gentle cleanser and then add moisture where you need to, rather than drying the whole face out with your yeah. um, really foamy cleanser. I find as well, though, when the seasons change, my skin changes a little bit. So when it comes into winter, I feel like I have to wear like more heavy moisturizer and everything because my skin gets drier. And then when it's summer, I kind of tend to go a little bit lighter. Yeah, and that's perfect. Your skin will change for lots of different reasons. Through the month, your skin may change at different parts of the female cycle. Also, from different seasons in the year, your skin will change. And it's really important to flex your skincare routine when you notice this change in your skin. Would skin types be a genetic? Because you sometimes see, uh, there is that saying that like, uh, what does her mom look like? And then you feel like you'll look like that when you grow up. But is some of it genetic? Yes, some of it is genetic. Your genetic set point is whether you have high oil in the skin or low oil in the skin. But then there's so many things that we do, both actually eating, our environment, and also the products that we put on our skin and the makeup we put on our skin that can change the skin or dehydrate the skin. Other things are important, like stress and water intake. These can also change how hydrated or dry the skin can feel as well. And like smoking and sauna, isn't sun the worst for your skin? Yes, sun really is. Whilst it feels good, it feels good. I always say there's no need to have sun on your face because we get sun on our face all the time. So, and the thing that most people don't know is that there is no safe dose of sun exposure. We can't say, okay, if you have five minutes or 10 minutes or two hours, nobody knows the safe dose. There is no safe dose. So with the sun, it's most important to try and keep your face out of the sun and then wear your sunscreen and be as protective as you can. Yeah, I love that you mentioned sunscreen earlier. I put it on every single day because I heard even like lights and air conditioning and everything like that can affect your skin as well as the sun. Yes, absolutely. And also important to know that, you know, right now you can see there's a slight light. That's a window. There's a window coming um, just to my right. And I'm getting UVA exposure, which is sun exposure. So sometimes people think, okay, if I'm indoors, maybe I don't need to wear my sunscreen. But if you can see daylight, you're having sun exposure. So it's important whenever you can see daylight to be wearing sunscreen. And as we were discussing different skin types, is it super important to have the products that are suited to your skin type? That's really key. There's nothing worse than spending lots of money on products that are doing nothing for your skin or worse still causing breakouts or irritation, inflammation. So this is why I really recommend a less is more strategy, having just a cleanser that's suited to your skin type, foaming or gentle, an antioxidant, a moisturizer, a sunscreen, and then sticking to a minimum amount of serums. If you're doing that, you're unlikely to wander into something that will irritate your skin. And even if you did, you'll know exactly what that product is because you've just introduced it. You can take that out and your skin should go back to how it was. And for people with sensitive skin, how can they deal with that? So if you have sensitive skin, usually I want to find out why is it sensitive? 
Is it sensitive because there's something that's been on the skin that's irritated the skin, for example, overusing a retinol or a skin acid like glycolic acid or salicylic acid? That may be the sensitivity. Is it sensitive because of maybe you've had too much sun exposure or maybe a, a, a harsh treatment on the skin? If it's those sorts of things, all you need to do is to stop the thing that's causing it. Now, some people have just sensitive skin in general. And then it's a bit more challenging to figure out what the trigger is. Is it an allergy? And you might talk to your doctor about exactly what the triggers may be. But in terms of skincare, if you've got sensitivity, there are a few key points that can be really helpful. First, switch to a gentle cleanser or a milk-based cleanser. Pick a moisturizer that has hyaluronic acid, ceramides, niacinamide. These are great ingredients. And then use your sunscreen. That's all you need. And you do that for six weeks. It takes longer than you think because what's happening with really sensitive skin is the upper layers of the skin aren't as thick as they need to be. So you're not getting the protection from your skin. And so your skincare acts as a barrier for a short period of time until your own body heals itself. So that's something you can do in the short term for six weeks and you'll find that your skin becomes less sensitive. Amazing. Well, we had so many questions in for you, right? There's another one. This was probably the most asked one. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'd like to know that. Visible pores. How can we minimize them? And how do you tell them apart from blackheads? Oh, great question. So a pore is essentially a hair follicle. We are absolutely covered in them, covered in them. But the areas we tend to notice them a lot are the cheek area. And this is because this area here tends to be a little bit more oily. So at the end of every hair follicle is a hole. And in that hole, there's an oil producing gland. And so the more oils in that gland, the more sometimes you can see the pores. That's one reason you have visible pores. The second is to know that as the collagen in the skin goes down, the pores don't stand up as why they kind of slide open and when they slide open you see them so essentially what's happening there is if you want to reduce the visibility of your pores you need to do something to the skin to tighten or to make the pores stand firmer and build collagen so in terms of skincare there are a couple of ingredients that can help to do that so for the oils you're thinking about retinoids and salicylic acid this will be great to balance out those oils And then to boost the collagen, it's niacinamide, retinols, and vitamin C. So those are the kinds of ingredients that over time will refine the pores. Now, if those pores are very large or they've been there for a long time, then you might need to do something to the skin to stimulate more collagen, like microneedling or a chemical peel. These sorts of treatments can boost the collagen in your skin. And then what happens is your pores go from kind of an elliptical shape back to a round shape and then look more refined. Oh, that's a good one. I absolutely love a good treatment as well. I think if if you're looking to do something nice for yourself, go and have a facial. It's just so lovely. But like, I like those intense ones that I know are doing something like just that I know is really helping like regenerate my skin. Definitely. I actually, I am not a fan of myself, of a facial that is kind of, I feel the hands moving. Yeah. I need to see an end point. I need to see glowing skin. I need to see a I want torch. pain. <laughs> yes. I want pain in my facial. It's the same as a massage. I'm not going in to be petted. I want to know that like something good is happening. Exactly. Exactly. And those are the kind of facials that I really favor where there's a clinical yeah. end point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with blackheads, 
how should people manage them and should you squeeze them? Because I'm sorry, even if you say no, there is no way I'm leaving a blackhead on my face to just sit there. <laughs> no. Well, a blackhead is a pool that's full of something. There's, there's material in there. And that material may be pollution, it may be dead skin cells, old skin cells, and it may be oil that sat around for a long time. And when that sat around for a long time, it becomes oxidized and turns brown or black. So that's why it looks dark. But essentially, it's just a hair follicle full of stuff. So I can see that the temptation is to want to just push out all the gunge from it. If it's been there for a short period of time and your hands are clean and you do it infrequently, there is some benefit in it. But what tends to happen is if you're a picker, you tend to pick and squeeze everything on the skin. Oh, yeah. And some (laughs) goes forward, but some goes back. And the one that goes back, that's the one that causes inflammation. Inflammation then leads to redness in lighter skin types, brown in darker skin types. Now you've got a brown spot or a red spot. Plus the pore is still there. And every now and then you get a spot on top of it as well. <laughs> oh, well. That's happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes. That's usually how it goes. But there's something else that you can do instead at home. So okay. if you get into a habit of using a salicylic acid, if you have oily skin, or a retinol in your routine, you build these much less. So they tend to be really, when they happen, they're really shallow, which means that just a good cleanse will get rid of it. So if you're finding you have lots and lots and lots of blackheads, that's a real sign to switch your skincare routine. There's something in the routine that isn't quite gelling with your skin. Also, a great time to have a hydrofacial. Hydrofacial literally works by using vacuum suction and water to jet wash the skin and gently pull out some of that material. So a great time to have that too. Oh, I'd love to go for a hydrofacial now. No. I forgot about that. There's just so many different facials that you can have uh, get done. How do you feel about, because I love an at-home mask and I love the under eye little um, patches that you can wear. Do they work? So that is a, a more challenging question. The short answer is anything that you're placing on the skin that's like a hydration mask. It's probably something like hyaluronic acid or glycerin. And the way these work is they essentially pull moisture to themselves. So your eyes are feeling dry or dehydrated. You put a hyaluronic acid mask on, it pulls a thousand times its weight in water and it feels wonderful. You feel more hydrated, but the next day that hydration is really gone because it's superficial. So it's a great thing to add in to give you the freshness. I also really like the ritual of skincare. You know, putting Mm. that on your skin, putting on some nice music, some candles, doing your routine, putting on a mask. I think that has a lot of benefits generally. But in terms of, is it changing your skin? Usually not. But I still love one. (laughs) I do. I I feel like I'm doing something nice for my face. And I think that you can do so much of that stuff on your own as well, because I know that skincare does, like you can spend a lot of money on facials. So if you don't have that, you can do some stuff at home as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you were describing, a hydration mask, wonderful for dry skin, a clay mask, amazing for around your T-zone and your cheeks. And one thing that I love to do, even at home, I do this as well, is to do a combination mask and you'll, you know, build your own face mask at home. In the dry areas, add some hydration masks. In the oily areas, add some clay masks together and you feel great. And it does have some superficial benefit, but it won't change the skin long term, but it's a nice step in your routine. And dark circles. 
They plague me. But you know what? I think you get used to them after a while. Is there, is there anything to reduce them? So with dark circles, there's a lot going on. So many yeah. things cause dark circles. And one of the best ways to treat them is figuring out if there's a cause that can be reversed. One of the biggest causes that I'm seeing in my clinic right now of dark circles is hay fever. You know, having hay fever and rubbing your eyes continually is going to drag that skin, dry the skin out, cause redness, pigmentation, boom, dark circles. Now, using the treatments for hay fever, as well as a good eye cream, can really work wonders. Because if, if you stop scratching, pulling your eyes, it gets better. So that's the first thing. Is there a reason that we can reduce it? Is it sleep and poor water intake? Those sorts of things. Again, increasing your sleep if possible. With new babies, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> and increasing your water intake can really, really help. And then finally, using skincare that has been shown to be effective for dark circles. So things like caffeine, vitamin C, hyaluronic acid and ceramides, these sorts of things can be really helpful. But an eye cream alone tends not to magically just remove your, your circles. It just doesn't do that. It's usually a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then spending time thinking what's the underlying cause and trying to correct that. I feel though that some people, like I've always had them since I was like a very young child. I remember people in school, the teachers were like, what happened to your face? And I'd be like, nothing. They thought like I'd been hit in the face. And I think that like, I'm not dehydrated. Obviously I'm very tired, but even when I'm not tired, I still have them. Do you think that some people, it's just like almost hereditary. You'll never get rid of them. Yes. And it's really common to see this in children. Now, one of the reasons you have dark circles is because of what you're looking at is the muscle underneath the skin. And in some people, there's a thick layer of fat between the skin and the muscle. So they have no dark circles. Others, even from the age of four or five, they don't have much fat. So you can see through the skin. And what you're looking at are brown. is the brown of the muscle or the red of the muscle. How so it's entirely normal in some people, entirely normal. And on everybody with time, that fat pocket gets less mm. and the skin gets less. So on everybody from the age of your mid twenties, that's the first area we start to notice changes around the eyes. But yes, it's entirely normal. Kids have dark circles. Teenagers have dark circles. It's just something that some people think it's a problem. There's a new TikTok phase of putting brown underneath your eyes to create dark circles. So who knows? Oh, <laughs> is there? I'm so in fashion. I will say a good concealer does a lot of wonders. And you, even if you have big panda eyes like me, you'll get used to them. Yes, yes. And it's a fact. Right now it's in, it's in vogue to have dark circles. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go look that up. Uh, there was a lot, a lot of questions around aging. And for me, I think a lot of my skincare revolves around aging. But what age does skin start to lose elasticity and fullness? And what would you think are essential skincare must do's for people over that age? So we start to lose collagen in the skin from around the age of 20. So from the age of 20, we produce 1% less collagen every single year. So around about the mid-20s, early 20, the early 30s is where we really start to see the effects of that. And what we start to see are dark circles, or the people describe it, their skin just doesn't feel to be as tight or as firm or as, de as dewy as it used to be. So there are lots of things that can be done. And actually, a lot of aging is caused by the sun. There's so many elements that are not due to your chronological age, but just due to your skin changing 
all the time because we're exposed to the sun for such a long period of time. Things like fine lines, sun, this is the sun not aging. Things like pigmentation, visible pores, antosis or loss of volume or dewiness. These are all not part of chronological aging, but actually from the sun. So from the age of six months, by protecting your children's skin and your skin age of six months, a lot of these signs will be prevented or reversed, which is amazing. Yeah. Then from adding in an antioxidant, again, this is your protective step in your 20s, adding in your factor 50 sunscreen plus your vitamin C actually protects your skin by up to seven times. So that's an additional step that you can do right from the yeah. age in your 20s to prevent sun-related signs that we now describe as aging, but actually aren't to do with time, but to do with the sun. So get that SPF on now. Get it on with that vitamin C every single day. Now, retinoids, that's your holy grail. Retinoids are your holy grail ingredient that have been clinically proven to reduce the signs that we describe as aging, such as fine lines, uneven skin tone, visible pores, texture changes. So adding in a retinoid slowly into your routine. So you'd start maybe three times a week and the next week, five times a week. And if you can tolerate it every day, plus a good moisturizer has been clinically proven to reduce these chronological signs of aging. And with retinol, do you go on like a course of it or do you just, it's always part of your skincare routine? So if you go, I'd like to go with the lowest dose that you can tolerate and just keep going. There are certain times in life you have to stop it. If your skin is really sensitive for any reason during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So there's certain times of life, but outside that you can just continue and some people who don't want to use retinols, like for instance, I can't use a retinol at the moment because I'm breastfeeding. Um, I do have one, uh, it's a peptide or something. Yeah, so peptides work by basically donating to the skin some amino acids and your body then uses those to help rejuvenate the skin. There's also something called Bacuchiol. So Bacuchiol is a funny name, but it's also yeah. been found to work in a similar way to retinoids. It's a bit more gentle and can be used in pregnancy and breastfeeding. So there are some other alternatives that, again, boost the skin's radiance, increase collagen production as well, that are safe to use throughout. And last question on ageing. Uh, age spots. You can, uh, like, how can you get rid of them? How can you prevent them? Yeah. So age spots are usually sunspots. They're caused by the sun, again. So again, using your, avoiding the sun when you can by wearing a hat, wearing, a, uh, wearing sunglasses, sunscreen, vitamin C, these are all great to prevent them. If you do have an age spot, there are treatments that you can use to get rid of them. They're topical treatments with great ingredients to help reduce them. Also a chemical peel, which sounds scary to some people, but it's essentially just exfoliating the top layer of the skin you can get rid of. Ooh, nice. Okay, next section that we had was spots and acne. Um, acne, it came up an awful lot because it does actually affect so many people. And I'm wondering, what causes acne? So when you think of acne, there are three main elements that really drive acne. The bacteria is the one everybody focuses on. And we used to think that that bacteria was really bad and you have to get rid of it. But now we know that the bacteria that's involved in acne, C. acne, is actually found everywhere. It's found on skin that has acne and it's found on skin that doesn't have acne. But it is implicated. So that's one element. Another element is oils, having high oils in the skin. And the final one is inflammation. So these three elements have to happen to have sustained spots or acne. Bacteria, oils, 
and also inflammation. And so when you're treating it, you have to address all those three things. So for inflammation, internal factors, for oils, topicals, and sometimes medications are needed. Yeah. And do you think that somebody could change their lifestyle in some way or use some non-prescription products to treat their acne? Absolutely. So that inflammation element, we used to pay little attention to it. Now I pay so much attention to the inflammation element. So we now know that there's two food groups that can be associated with acne. One is sugar. So having a high sugar content in people who are prone to spots, this can dip you over into getting acne. And the second is people who are intolerant to milk or dairy continuing to drink it. So that can be having dairy snuck into your butter or your coffee, things like that. So if you're intolerant to, to milk or you think you might be, have a chat with your doctor. If you're found to be, you really have to exclude it. You know, sometimes we're treating acne in the clinic and the one thing is like, oh, I just butter my toast <laughs> with yeah. a bit of butter. And that's the trigger. So really have to eliminate it. Then medications are really important. And if you're having spots and your spots are leaving scars, it's really important to seek help early because sometimes a spot can come and go, but if it's leaving lots of scars, that can last for a long time. So it's important to get help for that. And then... How, how could you get rid of the scarring if you already had it? So if you have scarring, there's a couple of things that can help. Topically, retinoids, the stronger prescription retinoids are excellent. Treatments like microneedling are really good. Chemical peels are excellent. Having types of laser resurfacing from an expert clinic, that also really helps. And then if they're deep ice pick scarring, those are the deepest kind. There's a treatment called subcision, which sounds a bit scary, but it's a really great treatment. Um, it involves essentially putting a needle into the skin after the skin is nice and numb. And it basically helps that piece of skin heal better. And when it heals better, it reduces that scar. So these are some treatments that are available. So it's really important that even if you have red scars, brown scars or textural changes, they are, there's so much help now for different types of scars. That's really good to know because I know it just affects loads of people and it makes a lot of people self-conscious. Um, so there is help out there. Another thing uh, we had messages about were skin redness and how can you tell the difference between general redness, rosacea, eczema and psoriasis? Okay, so psoriasis, eczema and rosacea, the three of those are medical conditions that occur for different reasons. So let's start with just background redness. It is normal if you have a lighter skin type to have some redness in the skin. Almost everybody who has a lighter skin type is going to have redness in their skin at some point. The problem happens when that redness is sustained. So you're not exercising, you're not hot, you're not flushed, you haven't got anything going on with the skin and you still have redness or visible vessels. At that point, if you're seeing visible vessels or the redness is coming in flushes or you have itchy, patchy scales, then it's time to go and seek additional help and say, okay, what's going on with my skin? Why is this happening? And ask those questions. But even for background redness, there are topicals that you can buy from the local shops that can help. And one key ingredient is azelaic acid. Azelaic acid is absolutely amazing at 10% at reducing background redness. It's even helpful in conditions like rosacea as well. And it takes out the redness from the skin. It takes about six to 12 weeks to start working, but most people notice about five to 10% reduction in the redness in their skin. 
I love that you're just giving everyone, we've all got hope. <laughs> what else can you fix? <laughs> now, if you really, if you're a real label reader, you can also look out for another ingredient called bisabolol. Bisabolol, also great ingredient that you can get from the local shops that have, uh, that help with calming the skin and redness. Now, if you have patches of skin or it's itchy, it's irritated and you're worried about eczema, really important, again, to have a look at your ingredients. If your skin is itchy and irritated, you want to back off all your skin acids like glycolic acid and salicylic acid and retinols until everything calms down. And again, chat with your doctor about what may be going on. Another thing, and I definitely suffer from this, is hyperpigmentation and melasma. What are they and what can people do about them? So melasma and hyperpigmentation is probably one of the number one things that we see in the clinic. And it's so important to know there are so many different things that can be helpful. Now, first of all, what is melasma? So Melasma is essentially a skin condition whereby you get pigmentation that's usually symmetrical on the cheeks, the upper lip, and usually in between the brows on the forehead. Now, it's driven by the sun, but it's genetic. Something switches it on, like pregnancy or the contraceptive pill or a bad burn from the sun. But once it's switched on, it just doesn't go away straight away. It tends to get worse every summer and gets better during the winter months. So with melasma, key, key, key is again, it's that sunscreen. But also there's so many things that you can do for your melasma or for pigmentation before thinking about topical ingredients. So for melasma, heat, pressure, and the sun, as well as blue light from your screens, your mobile phones, all of these things can trigger melasma. Even something as simple as whenever you're cooking, having your head just above that really hot pot or opening the oven and having that waft of heat to the face. If you try and reduce these things, so, you know, open the oven away from your face and then reducing these things can really help your melasma, even before we think about topicals. Putting blue light filters on your phone and your devices, this can really help. Yeah. In terms of skin ingredients, looking out for a whole group of products known as tyrosinase inhibitors. So you can look out for ingredients like vitamin C, arbutin, kojic acid, licorice extract, tranexamic acid. These ingredients help to reduce the pigment producing cells, suppresses them a bit. So it reduces the dark marks on the face or the melasma. And then adding in vitamin C, and a sunscreen, factor 50 if you have melasma every single day, even on rainy days can be really helpful. I found with, uh, it, melasma sounds very like uh, pigmentation. Yes. Which, especially when I was pregnant, like I honestly had like a beard like face. I went out, I went away in the sun and I was like, oh great, I just have like a full like pigmentation moustache that you cannot get rid of. And I did find vitamin C really, really helped with that. Yes, it does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sunscreen. But I do find sunscreen, like, obviously I wear it every day, but it is hard to cover your whole face. And even when you're wearing a hat and sunglasses, you're, you're still getting some sun. So I think just trying to stay in the shade a little bit always helps. Don't be out there trying to get your, your tan. Fake, fake it away. Fake the tan away. Fake yeah. it. It's not worth it. No matter how no. young or old you are, it's not worth it. <laughs> no, it definitely isn't. Well, what lifestyle factors do you think will help people in general with their skin for like example are there any foods people should try and avoid or foods to eat more so the one of the things i recommend in terms of skin is having a rainbow plate 
And a rainbow plate is essentially looking out for vegetables and different food groups that have all the different colors. And this is a really great way if you're not looking at the back of everything to make sure that you're getting a real blend of ingredients, nutrient-rich ingredients. So having not just the, the, the orange carrots, but also get some yellow ones and some purple ones as well. Not just your regular potatoes, get some purple potatoes in there as well. Get some brown broccoli, you know, some green broccoli. So really try and make your plate colorful. Yeah. And that really means that you're getting lots of nutrients. And the reason for this is your skin, your hair, your nails, and your teeth are kind of the lowest in the totem pole when the body is thinking about giving energy or helping something. So if you're deficient in something, your body is going to pull from your teeth, your skin, your hair, and your nails. Your skin will look dull if you don't drink enough water. It will look dull if you're not having enough nutrients. So that's the first thing, a rainbow plate. Now, drinking three liters of water is not necessary. You don't have to go overboard. Yeah. <laughs> 1.5 is enough. Like 1.5 liters is great for the skin. Two is wonderful, but 1.5 liters is enough. And then making sure that other elements in the skin, like stress, is reduced as much as possible. You try and sleep you know, seven hours a night, unbroken if you can. All these sorts of things will help reduce cortisol, will help make you feel less stressed so that your body can then invest in your skin because the skin is not up there in terms no. of when you compare to the heart or the brain for the body. And what would you say, I already know what you're going to say to this, but what's the single biggest thing that everyone could do or not do to look after their skin? Say it with me. S-P-F. <laughs> You know what? I love that, but I I just don't think people know the importance of it because it's such a like a minor thing that you have to do in the day. It's so easy. My mum just always like said it to me. She was like, "The one thing I regret is not putting SPF on my skin because it was a different time back then where people would just put oil on their skin, and I was that person as well. And I just trying to even reverse that is really difficult. So just SPF yourself. Don't spend too long in the sun. Drink water, sleep. Exactly. Do you remember that yeah. song from years ago, Baz Luhrmann? And at the end of it, it was like, yes. wear sunscreen. I remember yeah. years ago listening to that song and thinking, okay, sure, what's the big deal? Now I really get it. He was yeah. right. Wear sunscreen. Wear the sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I could, on, I could talk to you for ages and I think people are going to love this because there's so many options out there for people who have problems with their skin and your skin's on your face and it makes you self-conscious. And I think it's just nice that people can sort out any kind of issue they're having. And yes. everyone has them as well. Everybody, absolutely everybody has an issue. And it is really hard when there's, a, when there's something that people will always see you and make a judgment on it. And so it's really hard when there's a skin condition. And it's nice mm. to know that there are lots of options. Exactly. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And that is it. We've come to the end of our bonus episode on all things skincare with the fabulous Dr. Educemi. I cannot thank you enough for answering so many questions with such thoughtfulness. I know you'll have really helped our listeners. So thanks again. And thank you to everyone who sent in questions. I hope you're feeling reassured and inspired on how best to look after your own skin. And once again, if you've been affected by anything you've heard in today's show, please do contact your GP for further support. You can also visit the Boots online doctor to receive advice and prescription acne treatment eligibility criteria and charges do apply so until next time remember to take off that makeup and cleanse like a pro and spf 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 speak to you soon